passage, uh, most if not all of us, uh, this is the passage where Moses is commanded of God to make a, make a serpent and to lift it up. The Israelites have, uh, have murmured against God, murmured against Moses, and God sent fiery serpents into the camp of the Israelites. And this passage is uh, popular, if you want to call it that, but well known to us, uh, mainly because Jesus speaks of this very passage in John chapter 3 when he's preaching to Nicodemus. Uh, that's really what makes this passage so uh, so familiar to us. But we'll begin in verse 1, uh, chapter 21 in the book of Numbers. says, And when King Arad the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormah. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he had beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And we'll end our reading in that passage there, those first nine verses of the 21st chapter of the book of Numbers. As I said, this is somewhat a familiar passage of Scripture to us, mainly because Jesus Christ speaks of this very thing in the New Testament, in the book of John, chapter number 3. But if we back back up uh, to uh, uh, verse number 1, talking about uh, how the king, uh, king Garrett, who was a Canaanite, uh, heard tell that Israel came by way of the spies, and he fought against Israel, and he took some of the Israelites captive, or he took them prisoner. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into mine hand, then I will, I will utterly destroy their city. So Israel is, uh, is making their way toward the promised land, the, the land that God had promised them. They're making their way. They're going the route that God is leading. And this, uh, this Canaanite king comes out and he fights against the Israelites, takes some of them prisoner, and the Israelites vow a vow unto God and say, if you'll do this for us, then we will do this for you. We'll destroy these people. We'll destroy uh, their cities. And God hears their cry, and, and God delivers uh, these Canaanites unto the Israelites. And uh, just, a, just a verse or two later, it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because 
of the way. And it says that the soul of these Israelites, the soul of the children of Jacob, it was vexed. It was it was discouraged. Uh, they were they were they had become sad. They become depressed. They were weary, uh, not uh, not uh, of anything outside of the way, as the scripture says. They were weary of the way that they were having to go, uh, the way under the promised land. Christian friend, I'm here to tell you now that sometimes we get weary in this way that we travel. Sometimes it's not a straight shot from point A to point B like we think that it might be. Sometimes God will lead us in these. Directions directions much the same way that Jesus Christ in John chapter 4 he could have taken a shorter way but he knew there was a Man. woman there in Samaria that was going to be at that well he knew that this wow. woman was in need of salvation she was in need of a savior and he took that long way he took the way into Samaria there sometimes God may send you on a way that you think is unfit yeah. on a way that you don't think that you need to go but rest assured there Christian, if you are living for God and you are working for God and you are praying up with God and doing the things of God, that God will not lead you astray. God will lead you in the way that He intends for you to go. He will lead you in the way that He wants you to go. And when you get there, God will reveal to you exactly what it is that He was wanting you to do and why He put you in that place at that time and the purpose for what it was for. Hallelujah. God will not lead his people astray. And God will go with you. God will go with you. These people, it says, they were discouraged because of the way. Remember, folks, remember, they had just made a vow unto God. This Canaanite king had come out and he had taken some of these, uh, some of the, uh, the Israelites' brethren prisoner. And they had made a vow and said, if you work for us, we will work for you. And here they are, just a verse or two later, murmuring and complaining. They're discouraged because of the way that they're having to take. Folks, don't get discouraged in the way. Don't get discouraged with the work of God. We might get weary in this way, folks. It's a tiring way. It's it's a busy way and it's a working way but I promise you if you lay up for yourself treasures in heaven and no treasures here on earth God will reward you exceedingly when the end of the road comes Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. they were discouraged because of the way and the people spake against God and against Moses when they spoke against Moses folks they spoke against God because Moses relayed the message of God to the people. And he didn't leave out one jot nor one tittle from what God had said. So anytime you read in the scripture that the people murmured against Moses, they were murmuring against God. They were murmuring against him. Says the people spake against God and against Moses. Uh, wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Folks, God had just delivered the, these Canaanites into their hands. He had just delivered the Canaanite cities into their hands, and they were murmuring, they were complaining, they, they were, uh, were un, uncomforted with what God had done for them. They were discomforted with what God had done for this people. They were unhappy. They were upset. They were wanting more and more and more. Dear Christian, don't let yourself get this 
attitude. You be content with the things that Almighty God does for you. You be content with your home. Be content with your finances. Be content with your food. Be content with everything that Almighty God has blessed you with. And if He sees fit to give you more than God bless it. If He sees fit to leave you where you're at, then God bless it. Just as God will lead you in the way, He will be with you in the way and He will comfort you and sustain you in the way. There ain't no need, no need in asking for more and more and more from God. Does God want to hear from His people? Yes. Is there anything wrong with asking God for things? No. No, there's not. But these people, it was a constant thing with them. You read it in Exodus. You read it in, in Numbers. You read it in Deuteronomy. You read it that it's prophesied by Joshua that these things will happen. You read in the book of Deuteronomy, it's prophesied that they will do these things, that they will go to God, and they will murmur against God, and they will turn from God. This was, uh, and that scripture came true over and over. Those prophecies came to be over and over throughout the scriptures. Christian friend, don't let yourself get the attitude that these Israelites had. They were complaining about the light bread that they had. They were complaining about the miraculous way that Almighty God was sustaining them in the wilderness. And they were wanting to go back to Egypt. They were wanting to go back to where God had delivered them from to begin with. They said, wow, you brought us up into this wilderness. We'd be better off back where we came from. Don't let yourself get caught up in an attitude such as this. Folks, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, and it's easy to do. It's easy to do. Amen. And the Lord set fiery servants. It's upset God, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And the Lord set fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. The Lord sent these fiery serpents. The Lord sent these serpents. They didn't just appear out of the wilderness. Almighty God sent these serpents upon his own people, upon his chosen people, upon the people that he had sent Moses into Egypt to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. He sent these fiery serpents upon his own people. And why? Because of the murmuring, because of the complaining against God and against Moses. It says that they bit the people and much people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we of sin, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed, hey, this done exactly what God wanted it to do. He sent the fiery serpents into the camp. The fiery serpents had bit the people and much people of Israel had died. But it caused the remainder of the people. It caused the remnant to admit their sin unto God. They said, we have sinned against God and we have come against you, praying to God for us. Moses being on top of Christ in the Old Testament, many different ways, but he was on top of Christ, and they come unto Moses now and said, pray unto God for us that he take away these fiery serpents, that he take away this judgment, that he take away this wrath that he has unleashed upon us. Amen. Pray unto God for us, intercess for us, yeah. mediate for us is what these Israelites were requesting because they knew they couldn't do it. They knew that Moses was God's man. Folks, if we go to anybody outside of Jesus Christ, 
who is our intercessor, who is our mediator. It ain't going to do us much good. I'm not saying you can't ask other people to pray for you. That's not what I'm saying at all. I ask people to pray for me quite often. But that in and of itself is intercessory prayer. But if those people aren't going to Christ, it ain't going to do me any good. If I don't go to Christ, it's not going to do me any good. It must end up with Christ. And Christ will breathe it into the ears of the Almighty. Christ is our mediator between God and man. He is the only mediator between God and man. He is the only intercessor that we can rely on. Moses here was the, was the only one between God and the Israelites that the Israelites had. That's why they came unto Moses and they said, Pray unto God that he take away these fiery serpents from us. Folks, we've got to go through Christ. We've got to go through Christ. And anyone that prays for us has got to go through Christ. Yeah. It says, and the Lord said unto Moses, it says, Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon him, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So Moses prayed unto God. And this was the response that Almighty God had. God didn't just remove the fiery serpents as the people wanted. He didn't do it in that manner, folks. God doesn't just remove your sin the way that you want it done. God will remove your sin, and God removes my sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is the only way that our sin can be removed. And these people asked Moses to pray that he remove, that God remove the fiery serpents. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. He didn't tell Moses to tell the people, tell them to look unto you, Moses. Hey, that wouldn't have done those people a bit of good. Moses is the very one that brought the law down off of Mount Sinai to these people. Moses is the one that delivered the law. Moses is the one that, that told these people of the Ten Commandments which showed the holiness of God and showed the unrighteousness of the people. It would have done no good for these people to have looked to Moses. And he didn't say Moses, tell the people to take care of one another. He didn't say, tell those that are bitten to go to others that are bitten and to nurse one another and to come to one another and to aid one another. Folks, one sinner cannot save another sinner. It cannot and does not work like that. God told Moses, you make a brazen serpent, you make it, you put it on the pole, and you raise it up that whosoever looks upon it, they can be healed, they can live, they can be saved. And hallelujah. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, praise God, that's why Christ told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Thank you, Lord. In the very next verse, that whosoever Amen. believeth on him shall have everlasting life. That was the purpose. They had, we have to look on Christ in faith. These people here, I understand that the scripture. I understand that it says that whosoever looketh upon it, whosoever, uh, whosoever looks, looketh upon it shall live. I understand the scripture says that. But how many people, I can't help but wonder, how many people were out 
in that in that band of Israelites that day. How many people were out there, folks? And we were not talking about a couple of hundred. We're talking about hundreds of thousands, uh, millions of people, uh, enough people to where they would have to shout it to one group, and somebody was assigned in another group to shout it back to another group. Exactly what it was that Moses was relaying to these people from God. But how many people in this group were dependent upon themselves, or how many people said, "Well, Grandpa told me all I had to do for a snake bite was to rub this ointment on it." Or to rub that ointment on it. Hey, I ain't going to listen to Moses. I ain't going to listen to God. Churches are full of people this day and time that are depending on Grandpa's way of salvation, which was not through the blood of Jesus Christ. They're saying all I have to do is go to church. All I have to do is pay tithes. All I have to do is spit a prayer out once in a while. And the Bible says to repent and believe that gospel. Amen. I wonder how many people disobeyed Moses this day and in so doing in so doing disobeyed God or I wonder how many people but these fiery serpents it says they came into the camp and they bit the Israelites and many of the Israelites died many people of Israel died. I wonder how many people were laying on the ground possibly really in pain taking their last breaths and word got to them if you just look up at that serpent that Moses is holding if you just look up that way they're fading out Maybe, maybe their sight was going dead. Hey, maybe they were young and they had good vision. Maybe they were old and their vision was dead. Folks, it didn't matter how strong the vision was. It didn't matter how intelligent the sight was. It didn't matter any of these things. What mattered was that God told Moses to tell the people, if you just look upon this serpent, you can and will live. It doesn't matter your mitigating circumstances. It doesn't matter how far under this venom you are. It doesn't matter how dim your sight is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter. Once again, folks, this would have been a couple of million people that we're talking about here. It didn't matter if they were on the very front row, right up there where Moses was, or if they were 50 rows back. God didn't say you had to be close to it. He just said to look upon it. Hey, if we look to Christ, we can live. It doesn't it doesn't matter how we look. It doesn't matter if we can actually see it with physical eyes. God can save the blind just as much as he can save those with sight. It is belief and belief only. There's so many people out there. So many people that think they've sinned too much. They've gone too far. How many people? How many people in this circumstance here thought I'm too far gone? I'm too far gone under this venom. There's no hope for me now. And all Moses said was look to the serpent. Look to this brazen serpent that has been set upon a pole. And it was raised up on a pole. It was raised way up so that everybody could get a glance at it. Anyone in Israel that wanted to live. Any 
everyone in Israel that wanted to be healed. And it said, every man that was bitten, folks, from what I understand in this scripture, God had released these fiery serpents. They had gone all throughout the camp of Israel. I doubt seriously there were many, if any, that had not been bitten. And if we're going to use this as a type of judgment and a type, and a type of, of God's righteous judgment towards sin, everybody in that camp would have been bitten. Everyone was underneath the same condemnation and the same judgment, but everyone had the exact same way of salvation. They had the exact same way that they could be saved and that they could live. Folks, it is the same way in the new covenant with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everyone is granted the same way. Everyone has the same way and the salvation through the blood that Christ shed for you and for me. Amen. Amen. Reminds me of another chapter in Numbers. Just on the side. <clears throat> I believe it's Numbers 9. It's talking about the Passover. They're going to keep the Passover. They've been in the wilderness for a while. They're going to keep the Passover. It says there were some men that were worried because they'd been defiled by a dead body. And they couldn't keep the Passover. If they were defiled, they couldn't participate in such things according to the law. According, according to what they understood. So they go to Moses and they present him with this problem. Moses goes to God. Moses comes back. He says, okay, you're still going to keep the Passover. You'll just do it next month. Same type of feast. Same type of sacrifice. Same type of everything. Everything was the same. It was just at a different time. Because they were defiled. They couldn't take part in, in that. I said this is Numbers 9 if you want to look it up for yourself. But it was the same sacrifice, the same type of blood. And it was for the same reasons. Because it was a commandment of God that the Jews keep the Passover. And folks, it's a commandment of God. Now, at one time, God winked at this ignorance. But now, commands men everywhere to repent. He commands everyone to repent. And, and if we repent and we believe upon Jesus Christ, then we can and we will be saved according to what I read in my Bible. If I repent of my ways and I believe in Christ to wash me clean of my sin and to make me white as the new fallen snow, I will be saved per the word of God. Yes. Amen. That's what it takes is belief. How many of these folks had so many thoughts going through their mind? How many were thinking... I can't do this. How many people were laying there on one side and the serpent was up on a pole on this side and they say, maybe. And this, this is kind of like a, a, a last thought that someone might have. When someone's right at the brink of salvation, right at the brink of being forgiven of all their sins, Satan's little minions might bring it to their mind, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it correctly. And then they'll think, how can I do it right? What if I'm laying this way and I'm supposed to lay that way? What if I'm looking this way but it's this way? What if I'm doing it wrong? Folks, God does not command intelligence. And God does not command perfection by us. God commands belief. God commands belief and repentance. Our perfection will come in the future after we've been saved. 
I'm still not perfect in this life, and you ain't either. None of us are. The perfection will come. God does not does not require our, our perfection here. He doesn't require perfection to be saved. There's a lot of people out there that say, I can't get saved because I've been too imperfect. I've been too sinful. I've been too wicked. Hey, that's the type of person that God specializes in saving. Those that don't believe that they can be saved. Those that believe that they've gone too far. God can save those souls just like he can any other. He can save anybody. He can save any of these Israelites. But they had to do one thing. They had to look in belief. They had to look upon this way that God had made. Once again, how many of them were dependent on ways that they had been taught? Ways that weren't scriptural. And there wasn't a whole lot scriptural at this point, granted. But fast forward to New Testament church times. How many people look on ways that aren't scriptural for salvation? When God simply says, look, look, look here. What does it say in the book of Hebrews? Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now listen, that's, that's exclusively towards people that have been saved when it says it. Because it's talking about to run the race that's been set before us. And you ain't running the race if you ain't been saved. That says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But we look to Jesus for salvation. We look to him to be saved. And we look at him while we are saved. And folks, even when we get to heaven, what are we going to be doing? We're going to be looking on Jesus Christ, who saved our unworthy souls. So from the beginning of this thing, all the way through this thing, to the very end of this thing, it requires looking at Jesus Christ. We must look towards Christ to receive salvation. We must look to the way of salvation to receive salvation we must look to the way of redemption to receive that redemption if we look anywhere else we will receive nothing oh almighty god we can't receive it it begins with looking it goes all the way through this thing here in this life and looking and it ends with looking at christ on the flip side of that coin sin the fall in the garden it began with a look. What's the first thing recorded as far as the fall goes? It says Eve looked on the tree and saw that it was, and she saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was good, so she looked upon it. So be careful where you're looking to. Be careful where we look to for salvation. Be careful where we look to for forgiveness. Be careful where we look to for anything. You look under where the scripture tells us to look to. You look unto Christ. You look to God for salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And you look no other place. Don't be like these Israelites. And once God takes us uh, takes us up and once God gets us out and sets us on our way, don't start murmuring about the way. Don't start complaining about the way. It says that they, that they were discouraged because of the way. This reminds me of scripture uh, over in the Gospels. Hey, when Jesus Christ, right after he had fed the 5,000 plus people, it says that the, he sent the disciples 
disciples on their way. They went down and they got into a boat and Jesus Christ disappeared up into a mountain to pray. And those disciples, they got out on the Sea of Galilee and they started across the way. And it says that a storm rose up, that a tempest rose up, and the winds, they were tossing the boat all around and Christ had not yet come to them at that point. But it says in the, in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, it says that Jesus Christ saw them in their toiling. He saw them in their row, rowing. Hey, in the Gospel of John, it says that they went ahead and they rolled another 5 or 20 or 30 furlongs on out in the water. Even after this storm rose up, they continued their rowing. They continued going. Christian friend, I encourage you now, regardless how tough the way it gets, regardless how hard it gets, you continue rowing. You continue yeah. going. God sees Amen. your calling and rowing and God's got a reward for you Praise in the future. God. Hallelujah. Praise Don't God. give up. Amen. Don't give up. Don't be like these folks here. Don't whine over the ways. Don't whine over the sustenance that God has given. Don't complain about these things. Right. You be grateful to God for what he's done. Yeah. But God is not required. God is not required to give us those things. If God wants us to work for him, he must sustain us. Amen. He's got to keep us alive Amen. in these physical bodies. So, and that should be very comforting to every one of us as a Christian. That God will provide what we need. If God's got a plan for us, God's got a purpose for us, He's got somewhere for us to go or somewhere for us to be, God will sustain what we need to get there and to do what He wants us to accomplish for Him. That's right. That's the message for this evening. God bless you all. Amen. 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 Amen.